On this episode of Breaking the Game, Kenneth and I discuss the teams that are streaking right now in the NBA. There's 12 teams on the docket here. Whether they're winning or losing, we're going to discuss their streaks and what's the contributing factors for each one of those teams. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be right back with you after this short break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, co-hosting today with my good friend and buddy and fellow co-host, Kenneth Cotterell. Kenneth, what's up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Just a busy Sunday of uh, cleaning and everything else, so it's great to take a break, really touch on some NBA action. You know, we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of changes over the last number of weeks, and so super excited to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Sunday fun day here at the the Gillespie household as well. I was able to leave work a little bit early, which is always fun. But uh, today, Kenneth, man, we're uh, got some breaking news. We want to let everyone know that uh, we're going streaking today, man. So um, why don't you go ahead and lead lead off with that? Well, how how can you not? I mean, are we streaking through the quad? Like what? Like what are we doing? No. So, so we're we're talking about the NBA teams that have been on winning streaks and losing streaks, and you know some of those streaks might have ended just recently, but some of them might also still be ongoing. And so we want to highlight the teams that have either started really strongly for for a significant stretch of time, or the teams that have struggled over a significant stretch as well. So that's what we're going to get into here today talking about those teams that have either really played well or, or have gone through some tougher times. And what's crazy too, Kenneth, before we even get into the teams is that last week, I feel like it was almost a completely different group of teams that you would have assumed that we were going to be talking about. And some of the teams that we will be discussing today, almost kind of flip flop between winning and losing, losing and winning vice versa, all that fun stuff. So just let it just lets everyone know it serves as a good reminder that you can never ever take the early going of the NBA season seriously. For sure. Yep. So all right. So Kenneth, we're gonna go ahead before we get streaking. We want to let everyone know of a new sponsor that we have at the Off the Ball Network. We're talking about Built Bar. Unlike all the other bars out there that taste either like old Play-Doh or a piece of cardboard, when you eat a Built Bar, you will think that you are cheating on your diet with a delicious chocolate dessert. If your kids find out how good these things are, you're going to have to buy more because they're going to be begging for them. Kenneth, they have great flavors such as cookies and cream, double chocolate, strawberry, peanut butter brownie, and much more. They also have a new mystery flavor that if you guess correctly, you could win a prize. Just go over to their website at built.com, enter in promo code off the ball, get a 10% discount because we're sending you, we're good friends with the folks over there, They'll hook you up with a 10% discount when you enter in code off the ball at checkout at built.com. Kenneth, what do you think of Built Bar, man? I mean, I placed my order last week. I got it in on Friday here. So the fact that it was here within a week was really encouraging, especially given that I'm up here in Canada. So shipping sometimes can take a long time. Today, you know, I tried the coconut one. Uh, my fiance tried salted caramel, thought that they were both phenomenal. They're not lying when they say that it tastes like a chocolate bar. I legitimately... Protein bars I find are really bulky at times, and and these ones aren't. They they taste really good, and so we also have the bites that they have there as well. We even picked up some of the immune boost and other things that they have. So really excited to not only be partnered with them to but but to actually use their products moving forward. So really excited about it. Yeah, and if you go to their website, they have this cool graph where it talks about you know how they compare nutritionally with these other bars and, and other supplements, things like that. And it's mind-blowing how much better for you these Built Bars are on top of how good that they taste. All right, Kenneth, so we paid a little bit of the bills here. We're going to move on to some of the teams that are streaking right now. Let's start Let's start on a positive note, Kenneth, and we'll start out in the East. Um, we'll, we'll talk about a team that if you just read NBA headlines and didn't watch any games, you would think that this would be one of the worst teams in the entire league because of the ongoing will-they-won't-they, they, you know, whose fault is it anyway, injuries all the all of these things are going on but yet the philadelphia philadelphia 76ers 
are right up there with some of the best teams in the league right now. They are they're eight and two in their conference, Kenneth, and and they're on a phenomenal win streak right now. Talk to me a little bit about the reasoning for the success, despite all the noise surrounding the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, it's almost disrespectful the amount of people that are not talking about the Philadelphia 76ers because, as you said, every day the new headline is Ben Simmons is doing this, he's not reporting to this, he's not doing this. And, you know, it gets tiresome at times. And, I mean, you look at them now, they're sitting in the Eastern Conference at the top of the Eastern Conference standings. They're currently 8-2. and two. I mean, they've been on a phenomenal win streak now. Beating the Chicago Bulls twice over that six-game win streak is really impressive because of the way that they've played out of the gate with all the weapons that they have there. They they also beat Detroit twice over that stretch, but those are games that you should win, but you still have to go out and play the game. You still have to go out and win those games, and they're doing that. And then they also beat the Atlanta Hawks and the Portland Trailblazers, both teams that I'm sure the consensus have in the East and Western playoff conferences, respectively. So overall, what's been impressive about this team is that so many guys are doing it for them. Because you would think, okay, they're eight and two. Joel Embiid must be playing out of his mind. Joel Embiid's 29 and four, which like the numbers say are far like far further down than they were last year. But that's okay because winning solves everything. And you look at guys like Tyrese Maxey that were involved in all these trade rumors. Well, what does he do? He comes out and he starts the year 14, four and three, significantly improved from last year. You know, we look at a signing that not a lot of people talked about in George's Niang, 12 points per game for them. You've got Korkmaz at 11 points per game. Seth Curry, nearly 18 points per game as well. You've got Tobias Harris playing well. It's overall a team effort. I think it just goes to show that, you know, even without Ben Simmons, this is still a deep roster. It's got a good mix of vets, a good mix of young players. They're all playing well. They're playing in cohesion. In a way, they might be bonding around the fact that they don't have Ben there and everyone's writing them off and they're like, well, to hell with him. We're just going to go out and win games. So I think overall, Philadelphia has really impressed me so far. I don't know if eight and two, I don't think that they're on pace. They're on pace for 64 wins. I don't think they're going to get that high, but who's to say they can't. This is a team that has an MVP candidate and Embiid and a lot of other great pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And Doc Rivers, you know, just notching his 1,000th win not too long ago on top of that. So although it seems doom and gloom over in the city of brotherly love, they're actually playing well together. Uh, Seth Curry has had a, a couple of big games as well. You know, the other Curry is people like to refer to him as. But overall, I mean, you're talking about Ben Simmons being gone. Joel Embiid has been in and out of the lineup. Tobias Harris has been in and out of the lineup. Danny Green has missed time. So it's like, who on this team could step up? And we're seeing a really good sophomore season from Tyrese Maxey as well to help kind of bolster this team up upwards, despite all the noise that we keep talking about, Kenneth. So looking forward for this team, do you think that this is sustainable, the six-game win streak, or do you think that this is going to be something that you know, is going to be ending relatively soon. What do you what do you make of where they are and where they could be a little bit further down the line? I mean, this week's going to be really telling for them. They do have just this week the New York Knicks at home. They've got the Milwaukee Bucks who are hobbled, but they still have Giannis playing. They still have Holiday out there. And then they cap it off with playing Toronto. So it's a nice little three-game homestand for them but all against teams that are playing pretty well out of the gate, especially a team like Toronto that we didn't expect to uh, be in the position that they are. So, I mean, that that's a, that's a stretch that I'm really intrigued by. The, the thing about them is that I don't see like a really notable win yet for them. Like we talked about Chicago, they're a good team, but they haven't faced the Brooklyn's or the Utah's or the Miami's yet. So I want to see them go up against those teams, go and get like a really big statement win so I can truly say that I really like this team and what they have moving forward because the Hawks aren't playing great. Portland's kind of struggled out of the gate. You've got the Pistons. So like, you know, you kind of have to take that winning streak with a grain of salt as well. Uh, but shout out to them for winning six in a row regardless. Yeah. And again, it's almost going to be hard though to discredit them for any sort of slump that they go on in the next coming weeks. 
just simply due to, you know, all the external noise that they have going on surrounding their team. All right, Kenneth, so from one team out east, we're going to jump out to the Western Conference now. The Golden State Warriors, everybody's favorite franchise for the past several seasons that everyone kept saying, you know, Golden State's going to come back, and they just never really did. Well, as soon as the doubters started coming out, myself included, uh, they started making more noise, and, and Kenneth, they're riding a pretty hot winning streak as well. You know, th- they look really good coming out of the gate this season. They're 7-1, and one, number one in the Western Conference right now. They're riding a three-game win streak. They're undefeated on the road on top of all of that, Kenneth. Uh, Steph Curry is being Steph Curry, but some of these other guys on the team have been making a little bit of noise as well. What do you make of Golden State and where they're at right now? I mean, this is if Philadelphia is the team out east that you have to take with a grain of salt, I think you have to do the same with Golden State. Not to discredit them at all. They're seven and one to start the year. Their only loss came against Memphis, where they led most of the game, very easily could have won that game and been undefeated. But if we're looking at the last little stretch that they've had here, the Pelicans, who some might say I'm not a big fan of, I, I don't know any reason why people would say that, but. Uh, not a big fan of the Pelicans. Then you've got the Hornets, who have struggled over the last little bit here, and then the Thunder. So if we're talking about strictly that three-game winning streak, all games that 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 they should win, they went out and did it. They executed. That's what matters. Their two quality wins this year would be the Clippers and the Lakers. Clippers probably more so than the Lakers, the way that the Lakers have been playing. But uh, Paul George playing like an MVP candidate, and we'll get more into them in a little bit. But Steph playing at the MVP level. 26, seven and seven. Um, I don't know if the seven rebounds is sustainable, but once again, small sample size, we'll see. I overall, I Jordan Poole playing well, Damian Lee playing well, Andrew Wiggins. It's an overall team effort. It's very much like Philadelphia where you have Embiid as the centerpiece, but Steph's playing better than Embiid. So Steph's that piece. And then you've got some of these other guys stepping up and we haven't even seen guys like Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, two rookies that were highly coming out of college Wiseman in year two, they haven't really been playing or playing at all. And so it's interesting to see what golden state's going to have moving forward. Uh, when clay comes back and other things, so them starting seven and one, yeah, they're beating teams that they should, but that's really important in the Western conference playoff picture and they're getting it done. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you look at some of the the leaders on this team, obviously you expect Steph Curry to be up here. And when we were doing, you know, the other week, Kenneth, when we went over our all most improved teams, we we overlooked Jordan Poole because of what Damian Lee was doing. And not that Damian Lee still isn't doing what he's had done that previous week, Kenneth, but this week Jordan Poole has had a heck of a, a heck of a run. He's now averaging almost 18 points per game, you know, on 46% shooting, about 36% from deep having himself a heck of a run and the always understated but never overrated Andrew Wiggins on this team has had a had a heck of a run as well. Um, new additions like Bielicha uh, and even Otto Porter Jr. giving you about 40% shooting from deep, six points per game. Gary Payton, uh, the second, not junior, but Gary Payton, the second, had himself a heck of a dunk the other night that brought the house down. And Golden State is fun again, man. And this is really good for the NBA. It's always good when the team from the Bay is performing at the level that they are. So, Kenneth, I mentioned that they're, you know, on a three-game win streak. They're 7-1 and one on top of the West. It's hard to predict now. It's the NBA. Things happen all the time. But it's hard to look down the pipe and see, like, where's this first loss coming from? Because they have Houston, Atlanta, and Minnesota, all teams that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit for it but not for the right reasons. Um, Their next loss may not come until the 12th against the Bulls, but, you know, obviously you can't overrate some of these other teams. But Kenneth, looking down the pipe, how do you feel about Golden State continuing their success? Uh, I think that they're going to continue playing really well. I actually, I would circle that Atlanta game. I know that Atlanta struggled over the last little bit, but when we really dive in and look at who they've been playing, they've had one of the tougher schedules out of the gate. So I wouldn't write that off as a loss yet for them. I I think Houston and and Minnesota, both teams that are struggling and teams that they should beat. um, Both of those games are also going to be at home. Like they're, they're in the middle of a big homestand here. So once we start to get into the following week where you have to go on the road to Charlotte, to Brooklyn, to a Cleveland team that's playing well, I think that's when you can start to see some losses because, yes, they do have an undefeated road record, but 
at some point that's going to come to an end and they do have to play some some tough teams here coming up so uh i think they'll lose one over the next week or so before we meet here next sunday to talk about it once again yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so going from a team that Katie used to play for to the team that he plays for now, going back out to the Eastern Conference with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Kenneth, this is a team that a lot of people have different, you know, thought processes, you know, how good this team really is. Obviously, the whole Kyrie Irving thing hasn't really, uh, you know, been favorable. But right now, they're riding a four-game win streak. They're currently 6-3, and three, which would put them fourth place. Still home court advantage if the playoffs were to start today, Kenneth. But and on top of this, you know, how about the blooper reel that we saw from James Harden where it looks like, you know, when your battery dies, when you're playing 2K and he just kind of jogs and the other team picks up the ball and, and goes and dunks it. But despite that blooper, despite Kyrie Irving being gone, it looks like they're playing really good basketball. What do you make of Brooklyn's uh, solid start so far this year? I mean, Kevin Durant's just back to playing at the, the highest level, 28, 8 and 5. Harden, yeah, the, the scoring numbers aren't there. I think he's st struggling to adjust to the officiating a bit more because a lot of the points that he did rely on came at the free throw line, and those numbers are down for him. But still averaging 9-7 and seven on top of the 17 points, so he's still contributing in other aspects. A lot of this has to do with the role players. You look at Patty Mills, 10 per game. People were expecting it to be higher, but hey, if you're getting 10 points from anyone off the bench, I think that's huge. LaMarcus Aldridge coming out of retirement, averaging 12 points per game, playing a very significant role with this group. And then you got Joe Harris at 11 points per game as well. Once again, it's just another team that's balanced. You know, this past week, they didn't have a lot of tough games with, you know, Detroit twice and Indiana. They did beat the Hawks, though. So shout out to them for beating beating quality team there that, yeah, they're struggling, but it's still a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So Overall, Brooklyn's just starting to starting to get back into the flow of things. Still haven't seen Kyrie Irving. Who knows whether he's going to be playing at all this year? Probably not. But overall, exciting times for Brooklyn. Yeah, and despite the fact that they're on this hot win streak, they're right behind the Philadelphia 76ers at six and three. The Sixers are eight and two, second place in the Eastern Conference, or, or excuse me, in the Atlantic Division right now. Kenneth, you're looking down the pipe at some of the games that they have not too much different from the other teams that we were talking about. They have the Raptors, they have the Bulls, they have the Magic, uh, they have the Pelicans down the line. I don't know how long this win streak is going to last, but if it's it's all going to fall on Kevin Durant, and maybe James Harden's still getting used to the play calling because if you look at his percentages, his three-point is still good, but he still is fighting the urge to get guys' arms trapped on him on drives and try to get these uh, calls to go his way. And one thing I want to point out with these, um, you know, the play calling Kenneth is that some of these guys have played a certain way for like 10 seasons now. And then it, we've only been three weeks into the NBA new season with the officiating things like that. I think a lot of people are just like, Hey dude, why aren't you just playing differently? But how hard is it to kick a habit where you're training your body every off season and every game for 10 years. And all of a sudden, you have to do things differently. Kenneth, do you think that that is fair of me to assess or do you just think that guys should just be able to turn it around quickly? No, I agree hundred percent. It's going to take time. Like these guys have played this way for a long time. We saw James Harden average 35 points per game on probably a dozen or more free throws a game. So when you're relying on getting to the free throw line as much as you are, it's tough to adjust and it's tough to to switch up the way that you play. I think you give it some time. These guys will figure it out. What I like about Harden is that he's just contributing in other ways. He's still getting the ball to his other teammates. He's still rebounding well. He's doing the other things where, while he may be struggling on the scoring side. It's resulting in a lot of wins. I do think, actually, people might be surprised this week that Brooklyn drops a couple games because it, it is going to take some time, but all these are road games. Road trips are always tough. Doesn't doesn't matter to the opponent. I wouldn't be shocked if they slip up against uh, Toronto. Toronto's a team that's playing really well right now, so that's one that I would keep an eye on. And honestly, even some of these young teams, like, yeah, people were right off the Magic, the Pelicans, and the Thunder. These are teams, yeah, they can get blown out by 30, but they've also surprised this year by winning some, against some quality teams. So uh, I would keep an eye out for those. For this road trip, I think they play five games on the road trip. I think they come back three and two from that, so... Uh, should be a fun stretch to watch for sure. Yeah, three and two seems fair, and they don't have another home game until November 16th, which is my 
little brother's birthday. Shout out to my brother, Shelby. Love you, dude. <laughs> All right. So we'll move on to the next team, jumping back out west. And now more of the same here, Kenneth. You know, there's a lot of outside noise. Um, investigation, things like that going on for all the wrong reasons for the Phoenix Suns, but yet they just find a way to keep winning. They're on a four-game win streak. They are fourth seed in the Western Conference at five and three, just right behind the Dallas Mavericks for that third seed. Uh, Kenneth, you know, Sarver, everything going on with him. Chris Paul's on a yet another team that's getting investigated for, you know, slurs, you know, derogatory use of language a whole bunch of just terrible things, but yet the players are still doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's stringing together a four game win streak. You know, they're one and one away from Phoenix, four and two in Phoenix. What do you think of how the Suns have started the season so far? I mean, the allegations are troubling and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, really hope that things get sorted out there. If what's being reported is true and all that, um, Phoenix as a whole, getting back to the basketball side of things, you know, it's a, it's a stretch where once again, you see a lot of teams that you think they should beat, but you got to go out and do it. We talked a couple weeks ago about Devin Booker struggling out of the gate. He's back up to 22, five and five. I'm, I'm assuming those scoring numbers will continue to go up. Um, we know that their cast of bridges, CP three and eight, and like, that's kind of their big four that they have there, but JaVale McGee at 10 points per game. He's, yep. he's the guy that they added. Uh, they added Landry Shamit as well. And I was really critical of Phoenix offseason, but, you know, they went out and added some guys. And, you know, now we're, we're seeing that uh, come to fruition. So Phoenix, yeah, they struggled out of the gate. They righted the ship with this four-game winning streak. How long they can keep that going, uh, I'm interested to see because it is going to be a fun little stretch here coming up uh, at the Kings. They've got Portland. They've got Memphis. So, you know, some tough games coming up. I think it'll be really telling over these next three games uh, what this Phoenix team is moving forward. Yeah, and we're starting to see not only older guys like LeBron James struggling to find his way through, you know, a longer season at his advanced age, but Chris Paul, too. It was only a matter of time before that, before the scoring total really took a dip. Not saying that you're going to expect to see him do what he's doing this year all year as far as point values go but 13 points per game is not really what you want to see at a guy that is paid as much as he is now his impact is judged by the way that the rest of the team steps up but even even still you know jay crowder a little bit troubling coming out of the gate deandre ayton you know clamoring for a contract extension isn't putting up the production that he was in the playoffs but you still get guys like mikhail bridges uh, Frank Kaminsky having a pretty good year so far as well. So some of these bigs that they got, you know, JaVel McGee, Frank Kaminsky are stepping it up. Some of these guards like Cameron Payne are stepping back a little bit. And I still think that, yes, they didn't add a whole lot of people in the offseason, but adding guards and moving that rotation around takes a little bit of adjustment and getting used to in the early going. And who knows how long the buzz has been going on in Phoenix within the organization, right? Because as soon as we're hearing about it, it's not like the players are hearing about something like this at the same time as well, especially dating back as far as some of these allegations go. So it, it's just overall, I'm impressed with how good that they have played so far, despite everything else that's been going on with players not performing up to their usual standard. And then obviously another investigation on a Chris Paul led team is something that you don't really ever want to see. Um, you know, hopefully, People who were wrong find justice and, uh, you know, people who, you know, need to have extra attention paid to them. I hope that they that they get that. Um, Kenneth, so we'll move on from the Phoenix Suns to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've strung together a nice little win streak. And even when they were losing, they were still kind of a fun team to watch. You know, they got Evan Mobley, who's a strong contender for rookie of the year. You know, the, the backcourt of Sexland is looking entertaining. Jared Allen got paid. He looks like he's the second coming of Kevin Durant. The last game he hit that fadeaway three-pointer, I was pretty blown away by that. Kevin Love being more of a professional this season, and I think a lot of people are appreciating that. When you have a an older guy in the locker room that has a presence that he does and the experience, he's an NBA champion, when he wants to be there and he's okay with what's going on, you're looking at how that positively impacts the locker room and makes the coach's life a lot easier and Coach Bickerstaff. But 
They're in the middle of the pack here in the Eastern Conference, sitting at six and four, three game win streak. If the playoffs were to start today, they would be the seventh seed. So, what do you think about the surprising Cleveland Cavaliers, Kenneth? Cleveland was a team that, you know, I wrote an article about the over under win totals this year, and Cleveland was one that I took the over on because they had them kind of in the mid 30s. I thought that they were a team that could sneak into that playing game if all went right. And at least through this small sample size they have, and I think it's depth starting to win out in Cleveland because if you look at the last number of years in Cleveland, they've had a lot of young talent, but they haven't had any sort of bench. Like once you got past the starting five, then the bench was like, oh man, that guy's getting significant minutes. You look at it now, you've got Mobley, Allen, Sexton, Garland, Markinen, Rubio, Love. If you could run that seven-man rotation all year, I think you have something there because Sexton's a great scorer. Garland provides some some of that secondary stuff. You've got Mobley and Allen providing some scoring as well as some much-needed defense for this team. And then you get into the bench. Rubio can run the second unit really well. He's done a great job of that. You talked about Kevin Love being a professional. It's great to see because we haven't seen that for a couple of years now from, from old K-Love. And, you know, it's 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 good for this franchise overall because they gave him a lot of money and, you know, call it whatever you want of them overpaying him or whatever. He hadn't been a professional getting paid that contract for that franchise. So the fact that he is now doing so, I know he's dealt with some mental health stuff and I, and I don't want to go too far into that because obviously uh, mental health is a really serious issue. Uh, but overall, it's just good to see him overall out on the court, playing the game, playing the game that he loves and overall helping this team win because yeah, Cleveland does. I would love to see them in the playoffs. I don't care if it's the eight seed and they get swept. Like it would be good for this franchise post LeBron James to see a bit of success. They've got some young pieces. They're going through the rebuild in the right way. And I think it's really showing. Yeah. I mean, if you round up Kevin loves 9.9 points per game, they would have eight guys in double digit scoring. I mean, it's very fun to see. And again, the, the youth on this team, it's infectious when you got a guy like Evan Mobley, you got a guy like Jared Allen, Larry marketing coming off of a disappointing career so far with the Chicago bulls, kind of a resurgence, if you will, he's playing anywhere between two to three positions a night. They There's a super big front court that they have down, up there in Cleveland. And then Isaac Okoro, seven points per game as well. The shooting numbers are about what we expected for him coming into the NBA season. But his defense is there, and that's always impactful when you can have a guy come off the bench as kind of a point-of-attack defender. And again, you know, Colin Sexton's the points per games are down, but being the leader on this team, he looks really good. Really strong season for the Cavaliers. So let's prognosticate a little bit here down the pipe, Kenneth. What do you think of Cleveland being able to maintain this streak? I mean, they they have tonight, if you're watching, listening live, they have the, the New York Knicks, but then they have the Washington Wizards, who are a surprising team. But then they have a couple more winnable games in the Detroit Pistons, the Boston Celtics, and back-to-back -back games. How do you think that the Cavaliers are going to hold up moving forward? Uh, I think this is going to be there's going to be some growing pains this month for Cleveland, but it's mostly due to the fact that they have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL or NFL NBA this <laughs> month because you've got Washington, you've talked about Boston, they've got the Nets twice, Warriors, Suns, Mavericks. Like outside of that, Orlando and Detroit games, all against teams that could be in the playoffs this year, and and that's going to be really tough. A lot of those are home games, but you know, tough opponents nonetheless. So I think it's it's going to be very much a learning month for Cleveland. Um, we might see them below 500 coming out of this month. But if they're still above 500, you have to consider that a massive success given the schedule that they play. Yeah, and, it, and the lack of experience and cohesion on this roster as well. All right, so moving from the Cavs, Scott West to the Clippers. This is going to be the last team that we're talking about on a win streak and we're starting positive here. Now, Kenneth, you've been speaking glowingly of the play of Paul George. You're about the only one that I ever hear say anything nice about the, the Clippers at large, but especially Paul George. And let's, let's not overlook the fact that he hasn't done himself any favors with the clever nicknames, with the, the, the commercials that make him look like he's the second coming of somebody, you know, when we found out that Kawhi Leonard was going to be missing time, you and I had different viewpoints of the Los Angeles Clippers, 
But to your credit, you've been speaking very highly of the level of play of a Paul George. Why don't you talk a little bit more about how successful the Clippers have been so far? I mean, that's the thing. Before the season started, I never was low on Paul George. I was always low on once Paul George is not there, what else do you have? Mm -hmm. Now, so far this year, it's been pretty solid. Now, the one player that I was critical on them bringing in that hasn't played well, Eric Bledsoe. Eight, four, and three for them, which when you're you have a guy starting and playing those kind of minutes, that's not great production that you're getting from him. But I don't want to remain too negative on it. So Paul George, 28, 8, and 4, should be in the MVP discussion. He was a long shot MVP for me this year because how could he not be? Like you're on a team where if you get to a top five or six seed, you're the only star on that team. You have a great opportunity to be there. Reggie Jackson's lived up to the contract that I didn't think he deserved at 17, four and four. So shout out to him for playing well. Terrence Mann at 10 a game, Kennard at 11 per game, Morris at almost 10 a game. Once again, it's, it's one of these teams where, where they're getting output from so many different areas that I think it's really helping them. Now let's also be clear that their three game win streak, they beat Minnesota twice and they beat a struggling Charlotte team. So, Fair enough. So not the best competition. And I still stand by the fact that I think the Clippers will be in that play-in game as the nine seed. But as of now, they're playing good basketball. Paul George is getting some help from his secondary cast. If he remains healthy, if he plays the full schedule this year, the sky's the limit for this Clippers team. They could definitely sneak up into that top six. But overall, uh, impressed by Paul George. Yeah, coming off of wins between the the Timberwolves and the Thunder, today they have a matchup against the struggling Charlotte Hornets. Well, you know, spoiler alert, will be the next team that the, that we're going to discuss. But even additions like Isaiah Hartenstein, he has he has had a good performance as of late, kind of backing up Ivica Zubac at that center position. So, Kenneth, this is a team that's missing Kawhi Leonard. There's really no estimate as far as when he will be returning. If you or around trade deadline, and you see that this team is still in the ninth seed, they're about at 500 basketball. Let's even say that they're on a three-game win streak coming into the trade deadline. Do you expect them to stand pat and just hope that Kawhi Leonard comes in, or do you think that they try to upgrade maybe at that guard rotation behind you know, Reggie Jackson with Eric Bledsoe? Do you think that they might, might try to upgrade there? And if so, where can they find the pieces to be able to make a move? I mean, I think they want to see what's happening with Serge Ibaka. They'd like him to get back and, and play at, at a high level for them because he was a big piece that they had brought in. I think overall with the Clippers, I don't know if Steve Ballmer is going to allow them to stay put. Um, I think they would try and make a move. As far as what that move is, there's a lot of players out there that, you know, like a Terrence Ross, for example, mm -hmm. guy that's not on a winning team. The team is trying to move on in a rebuild. He takes away minutes from some guys, so why not move him? They could go out and add another scorer because that's what they need is some secondary scoring help on this team because it can't just be Jackson and Paul George. Ross could be a nice third scorer for them, so that would be a piece that I would keep an eye on. But overall, yeah, I think I think if they're the nine seed, if they make a move, they're not making a big splash. I don't think that they have the assets or the overall capital in order to do it, but uh, yeah, this is a team that I, I don't see Ballmer letting them stay put. I think a name that I would be keeping an eye out on is Eric Gordon, who's doing a really yeah. good job in Houston. We'll be one. talking about them here down the line. But a guard, a scorer, a capable defender, I think that about all the ingredients that you need for Los Angeles Clippers, and hopefully if Kawhi Leonard does come back, that's a formidable matchup in the Western Conference. All right, Kenneth, so that wraps up all the winning streaks that we have, and it breaks my heart to talk about this next team, man, because for so long at the beginning of the season, we were talking about them for all the right reasons, but here they are lately reminding us that like youth isn't necessarily the, the primary factor that you want to hang your hat on when you're competing in the NBA. Um, maybe pace of play, playing fast is disguising some deficiencies, if you will, and you know, Miles Bridges taking the big leap that he has, that's great. You know, LaMelo Ball taking the steps that he's taking, that's great. You know, Gordon Hayward staying healthy, that's all fine and well. But youth, it hurts in the NBA. You can't just be a young team and compete at the level that everyone wants you to. It's not NBA 2K. 
you can't just run a rookie team out there and go win a championship and keep the team together for you know 10 seasons right so uh, kenneth we're talking about the the hornets they're on a three-game losing streak they find themselves in the ninth seed likewise to that of the los angeles clippers what do you think of charlotte and their recent struggles i mean all their struggles come from their defense because over their last seven games, they've given up 110 points or more in every single one of them. I mean, when the offense isn't there, then they struggle. Like, they give up 140 points to the Kings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the NBA. Some nights teams get hot, but you still put up 110 points and lost by 30. Like, like that has there has to be some cause for concern when you're giving up those sorts of, of stats. I mean, Bridges, we knew that, the numbers that he was at very early on were not sustainable, but I mean, he struggled a little bit over the last couple games and come back down to earth a bit, but I mean, yeah, Charlotte, th- this is the reason why a lot of people had them in the play in game situation or potentially just missing out because it's a team with a lot of really flashy players, uh, a team with a lot of good scores, but it's a team that still lacks that defensive identity. I think, they still lack a bit of the veteran leadership that they need in order to like really grow as a locker room and grow as a franchise. So uh, that that's just my concern. I mean, I, I don't want to sound the alarms or anything 10 games in. Like, this isn't the Pelicans. But, like, Golden State, that's a team that you should lose to. Cleveland's playing well. The Kings have been a surprising team. We just talked about it on my show with Urson. Sacramento is a team that's been surprisingly good out of the gate, moving Buddy Heald to the bench and starting Halliburton. Like, so they're not a, a team to roll over either. So uh, they just need a bit more time, I think, and they'll be okay. Yeah, and I projected them coming into the season being the seventh seed, so I still don't think that they're too far away from yeah. that area. But still in that play-in scenario that you were discussing, and you, you mentioned some of the players coming back down to earth. I remember at one point, you know, LaMelo Ball was averaging like three and a half steals a game. That number has gone in half, you know, to about 1.7 steals. So it, it's maybe a little bit too much gambling on the defensive. And I just think that some of the fundamentals, some of the cohesion that there really isn't because of the lack of, or because of the, the influx of newer players on this team, like a Kelly Oubre, like a Ish Smith, for example, you know, Gordon Hayward being healthy again for the first time. You still haven't seen much of Book Knight, you know, the, the young man that they drafted. Maybe they look to turn to him to give a little bit more of a spark coming off the bench. But this team is it's deep, but it's not at the same time, if that makes sense, Kenneth, because they have players, they have names all over the place, with the exception of the big man. And I think rim protection was the one area that they needed to address coming into the year. They still have it, and you're seeing that bear out right now in their current standing. So, Kenneth, they have the Clippers next, the Lakers next, the Grizzlies, the Knicks, the Warriors, the Wizards. I mean, this is a almost a murderer's row coming up. I don't know if things are going to turn around. Maybe they steal a game that they have no business stealing, but I don't think that they're going to be looking at a substantial win streak coming up. What say you? I think they can win a couple of those games just because it is still early in the year. Like, I think if we're talking about these games year, like game 60, I think we're saying, yeah, no, that's probably a, a pretty lengthy losing streak. But some of the teams that you mentioned also haven't played great out of the gate. So I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't rule it out. Um, we've already seen Charlotte even pick up like some quality wins early on. Like they did beat Portland. They have beat Brooklyn already. Uh, they did beat Cleveland. So overall, like it is a, a situation where I think they could be okay. But yeah, they'll be below 500, I would assume, after going through that stretch because they're currently at 500. So uh, it might be in for a couple couple tough weeks here. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so we're going to move out west to Minnesota and discuss the Timberwolves. Now, likewise of that to the Charlotte Hornets that we discussed earlier that started off a little bit more hot than we thought, and now they're going back to where some of our expectations were. The Minnesota Timberwolves right now, Kenneth, they are 11th place in the Western Conference, sitting at 3-5. and five. They've lost four straight. You know, Carl Anthony Towns came out in a press conference the other day and said, you know, hey, losing three straight could quickly turn into 18-20 to 20 here in Minnesota. So he is uh, taking this little slump seriously because he's seen it before coming out of Minnesota. Um, three, again, three and five, 
They have only won one away game. The only away game that they've played, that means that they've been playing at home a lot and still struggling. It's not going to get any more friendly for them coming up with some road games down the line. Kenneth, what do you think of the Minnesota Timberwolves? Were they playing a little bit over their heads earlier on, or do you think that they'll find a way to kind of turn it around again? Uh, I said this early on that I thought that they were playing over their heads a bit, um, strictly because you look at they start out 2-0, and but they beat Houston and the Pelicans. They've also lost to the Pelicans, the only teams the Pelicans have beat this year. So mm-hmm. I think that's very telling. And then they go and, you know, they, they beat Milwaukee and everyone thought, wow, like that's that's a statement win. But, you know, since then they've also lost to Orlando. You know, they've lost to the Clippers twice. They've lost to Denver over this stretch. You know, three of those are forgivable. You really shouldn't lose to Orlando. If you're a team that is serious about being in, at worst, that playing game situation, because that's a team loaded with rookies and second, third-year guys, and, and you can't get that done at home. And not only do you not get it done at home, you lose by 18 to them at home. So I think that's a pretty glaring a, a glaring loss. And, you know, once again, small sample size, people will say, well, you know, still plenty of time for them to grow. And that's true. But this was the part of their schedule where you were like, you know, they should they should pick up some wins. They have a lot of home games. They have a lot of these these situations where they should be four and four at worst, probably five and three or even six and two. Now they're below 500 They They've got a lot of road games ahead. They got a lot of tough opponents ahead. I think it's just a, a bad start for a team that had some pretty high hopes with with Anthony Edwards and Towns and Russell, they thought that they had a young big three go in there and they're struggling. So, yeah, I mean, they're big three. They're, they're still putting up numbers, but the efficiency really isn't there, especially when you're talking about a guy like D'Angelo Russell, a, a guy like Anthony Edwards. Yeah. He's putting up highlight real level plays. He's putting up big numbers. As I said, that efficiency really isn't there. Carl Anthony Towns is doing Carl Anthony Towns level things, you know, at the end of the day, he's a top 30 to 35 player, depending on how much you like him or dislike him. But then Malik Beasley coming off the bench, giving you about 11 points per game. You, I'm a big fan of McDaniels there on that team, but only for his defense. That offense really isn't there. But you mentioned some of these away games that they're going to have. They have Memphis, Golden State, the Lakers, the Clippers. And then even when they start their home stretch again, they're going to have Phoenix and Sacramento, not a favorable spot. I'm with you. I think that they were playing a little bit above their heads in the early going, and I had them slated in the preseason to be in the 12th spot. So even still, they're playing a little bit over their head in my evaluation of this team. But overall, a good start for a young team early on. Hopefully they can find a way to turn it around, and here's hoping that Chris Finch is a, is a future Timberwolf coach for years to come, something that we don't really ever get a chance to see up there in Minnesota. All right, Kenneth, so we're going to bounce from the west to the east again. Not too far away from me. We got a we got a few people at the network, at Off the Ball Network. Shout out to the guys over there in the Atlanta area. We're going to be talking about the Atlanta Hawks. And now this is a team that is not living up to my expectations at all. I had nothing but high hopes for Atlanta. They were the third team in the east in my preseason ranking. They're only at the 12th spot right now. They're on a three-game losing streak sitting at four and six have only won once on the road and even at home it hasn't been super pretty 3 and 1 but you know a couple close calls here and there Kenneth what do you think of Atlanta so far and what's the issue coming out of the Hawks organization right now I mean I think it's they're 4 and 6 but I I don't know a team that's played the the tough schedule that they have I mean especially over the last 6 I mean let's clarify out of the gate you know you get Dallas that's a nice win but then you beat the Pistons and Pelicans, he lost the Cavs. But if you look over the last six games, you lose at Washington, at Philly, you then beat the Wizards at home, you lose at Brooklyn, you lose to Utah at home, and then you lose at Phoenix. A lot of road losses, which, Mm -hmm. but once again, tough places to win. And so it's also not going to get any easier for this Hawks team. And when I looked at their schedule to start the year, I, I kind of thought the first six to eight weeks they might struggle because, I mean, if we're even talking about over the next couple, at Golden State, at Utah, at Denver, and then at home versus Milwaukee. So it's not going to get any easier over the next little bit here. And people are going to sound the alarm on Atlanta, 
but this is a deceptive four and six team. I still think that the expectations are still high for this group with Trey Young and John Collins, Capella, all the young guys like Reddish and Hunter that are there as well. So I think they have to weather the storm. They need to pick up a win or two over this next stretch here to keep themselves afloat because then when you look at closing out the month with Orlando and you've got the Hornets and the Thunder and the Spurs, like those are the games where you can make up some ground on some of these teams. It will not shock me if Atlanta drops further in my rankings next week, but following that, they'll start to climb back up. Yeah, no doubt. And you, you mentioned some of the games that they have coming up. They're at Golden State. They're at Utah. They're at Denver. They come home and play the Bucks, and then it gets a little bit softer. But in those tough stretches of games, you'd like to see them go maybe three and two and then win these games that they're supposed to absolutely pick up. And that will help their overall standings. I just find it odd to see that a team that is largely the same, that just had great success, um, Trey Young is one of these players that has been impacted so far with the new play calling, and he's been probably the most vocal about it, which you can look at that as a negative thing. I think that that's actually kind of nice that it's not just a player saying like, well, I'm going to turn it around or whatever. Like he's realistically speaking about what's going on and talking about other players who have struggled as well. James Harding, Damian Lillard, who is being completely oblivious to the fact that he's struggling at all. Trey Young is being pretty upfront and honest and transparent, something that I appreciate in a player. So, Kenneth, we'll move forward now from the Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk about some of these bottom-dwelling teams coming into their conferences now. The, the next three, they're, they're the bottom of the barrel, the Houston Rockets. I mean, in the Western Conference, there's only one team that's worse than them, that being the Pelicans, but they are currently hold the active longest losing streak. Now, they are also a team that I think that we expected to perform perform poorly going down the stretch. Um, haven't won a single road game, only one and two at home. A lot of rookies, not too many veterans. Eric Gordon probably won't make it on this team past the trade deadline because, let's face it, Houston loves draft picks right now. They're kind of like the little Oklahoma City right now in that aspect. But Kenneth, rookies, chemistry, Second-year NBA head coach and Steven Silas. Tough Western Conference, tough division in the Western Conference. What do you think of Houston so far in the early going? I mean, if we're talking about Atlanta having a tough schedule, like Houston's been through it the last couple weeks. At Denver, at Phoenix, at LA twice, at home against the Jazz, at Dallas, and then at home versus the Celtics. That's their last seven games. So the losing streak's expected. Like you said it, they're trying to get draft picks. They're not trying to win a lot of games right now. What I will say is that they've at least been competitive in a lot of those games. And, you know, we've seen Jalen Green go off some nights. He had one against the Lakers where I think he had like 27 points. Like Mm -hmm. he looked really good in that game. Christian Wood has looked good a lot of nights. But yeah, it's, it's a very young team. They're not trying to win games. They are going through a full-on rebuild. They're trying to just give a lot of minutes to these guys like like Green and Tate and some of these Shangun. other pieces. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't expect them to perform really well. Um, it's just been amplified because of who they've had to play. You know, the one win that they do have, they did beat Oklahoma City. So I guess <laughs> at least they're beating some of these other teams that aren't trying to win. Uh, in this tankathon that we're seeing by some of these franchises, so uh, overall, I'm I'm not that surprised to to see this so far. Yeah, and one player that I'm kind of disappointed in my pick for most improved player of the year was uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Maybe looking a little bit too, uh, you know, favorably upon him. I still, obviously, there's still plenty of time for him to to pick it up, but he's only given this team about 12 points per game on 37% from the floor, 30% from deep. Not the numbers that I was anticipating uh, him putting up. Christian Wood, like you pointed out, is still doing his thing. We already talked about Eric Gordon. Daniel Tice is giving this team a nice little uh, veteran presence. Kenya Martin Jr. giving the team some minutes as well. But you go down this <laughs> the list of names on here, and you're like, okay, this makes sense why this is the 14th seed in the Western Conference. And we'll be, we'll be talking about the 15th seed coming up here soon. But... I don't look at I look at the schedule. I mean, they got Golden State today 
maybe they pick up a win against Detroit. We'll talk about them here more here in a second. The Trailblazers, Phoenix, Memphis, Oklahoma City again. So that might be a game that they can win. Um, maybe they just look to remain competitive. They only lost by one against Denver the other night. So I don't think that Houston is looking at overall wins right now this year, though, Kenneth. I think that they're looking at the development aspect and trying to groom future MVPs of the league. Oh, for sure. I mean, overall, like we're going to get into these last two teams, but like the scheduling guys at the NBA really just gave a big middle finger to some of these <laughs> bottom teams because when you we're about to talk about Detroit's schedule, like they were literally just saying, hey, we know you're not trying to win, so we're going to get all these other good teams' wins out of the gate. Sound good? And they were just like, uh, I guess so. Like, Sure. <laughs> sure, sure, I guess. Like, we're going to win 15, 20 games, so thanks. Like, Yeah, so let's go ahead and get into Detroit. Now, to their credit, I guess, um, they were without Cade Cunningham for quite some time. He came back in the, the game that he came back, they won, but ever since then, it hasn't been pretty for the uh the monsters in detroit right now you know they're on a four game losing streak they haven't won a single game on the road they're one and four at home uh, very young very inexperienced they do have a, an experienced head coach in Dwayne casey and i've looked at him as a guy who has taken some of these broken pieces and and done more with them than i think other than other coaches could do but um you know they have a game coming up wednesday against the houston rockets the cleveland cavaliers the toronto raptors sacramento kings indiana pacers and then you start getting some real heavy hitters in their schedule. It's not looking like the Detroit Pistons are going to be picking up a lot of wins this season anyway. Maybe they get a Paulo Banchero to play alongside a, a, a Cade Cunningham down the line or maybe a Chet Holmgren. Depending on who your flavor of uh, upcoming NBA draft prospects are, they're probably going to be up in that mix. So, Kenneth, the Detroit Pistons, much like the their NFL brothers, they're playing to, to your expectations right now, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll name the last seven teams that they played, and, and I'll let you guess who they beat: Atlanta, Philly, Orlando, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, Brooklyn. I, I think we all know who they beat, right? It has to be Orlando. Yeah, like like that's their win, and so like good for them. They won at home. They beat the Magic. Um, they got blown out by the Bucks, who didn't have Middleton or Holiday or basically anyone not named Giannis. So that's pretty pretty demoralizing to lose by 28 in a game like that. Um, overall, I mean, yeah, they have Cade back. He struggled shooting out of the gate. He's going to be fine, everyone. Stop Please over. stop like, freaking out. <laughs> like two games into his NBA career, and there's literally people writing articles saying, why Cade Cunningham was the wrong pick. Are you kidding me? Or two what has Detroit done games, to his shooting? You know, two like, games into his NBA career coming off an injury. And that's the discussion that we're having. Relax. Give it time. We're talking about this stretch where you get, you get the Rockets, you get Cleveland even later in the month. Like you get like some tougher games, like, give him some time. Like they still have some quality pieces there as well around him. He's going to be just fine. And overall people just need to, to calm down. Like Detroit was expected to win 25 games. So just because they only have one win so far, they've also played a really tough schedule. Yeah. And we'll just jump right into this next team, Kenneth, to wrap up the show, the new Orleans Pelicans, pretty disappointing um, for the health aspect of Zion Williamson to the overall record aspect of being dead last in their conference. Um, you know, I don't think a whole lot of people expected them to be performing this poorly, even without Zion, you know, being one and nine, not winning a single game at home, you know, only one victory coming on the road. The Smoothie King arena hasn't seen a victory. Um, and this is some of the things that Zion Williams, family was pointing out allegedly right last season, saying that he isn't going to be wanting to stay here long-term I mean, you're still getting good. You're still getting good play out of Brandon Ingram. Jonas Valanciunas, to his credit, has been balling out lately. But it's pretty much downhill for, from you know Devonte Graham on down the line. You know, Herb Jones is giving you really good minutes as a rookie, as a defender. But when you start looking at like, okay, this rookie is giving you good defense, and that's pretty much your your highlight reel. Maybe you need to reassess the overall composition of this team. 
uh, you know, Coach Green first season, not looking really good at all. Um, Sam Mitchell, I heard on, you know, NBA radio talking about this reminded him of his first season up in Toronto when, you know, Vince Carter didn't want to be there anymore. And he's looked at this scenario and was like, hey, it's only going to get better from here. If I can handle this, I can handle anything. Uh, Coach Green doesn't have a, a, a favorable start to his uh, coaching debut. What's the trouble in New Orleans? Because I know that you've talked a little bit about this, Kenneth. So I don't want to beat beat a dead horse here because I wrote an article about this that you can see at offtheballnetwork.com about the Pelicans. First of all, you're already the Pelicans. You're you're <laughs> the place you play is called the Smoothie King Arena, and we're supposed to take you seriously in the NBA. And you have a franchise altering talent that doesn't want to be there by the sounds of it. Um, you have a GM that brought in no veterans to, to help out. So now we just have to watch a bunch of rookies and second year players try and play 25 minutes a night when they're not equipped yet to do so. And so it's basically a trial by fire situation. You hung out your first year head coach and Willie Green out to dry by not supplying him with anything. They even have their three best players playing well outside of Zion because obviously he's hurt. And it still doesn't matter because they're still losing games. They're leading games going into the fourth and then getting their, their point total doubled in the fourth quarter. It's Having 40-point losses some it's nights, too. It's tough to be a Pelicans fan. It's tough to think that there is hope within this organization when they really... They have Zion, Brandon Ingram, Valanchunas, and Graham, and they've won one game. And on I the mean, road, not even at home. Fans haven't even seen a victory yet. What even needs to be said outside of that? You've got one win with, with those players, and there's teams with far worse that have figured out a way to win multiple games. So uh, overall, just very disappointing. Yeah, when you have a, a box office style player in a Zion Williamson, granted, haven't seen him yet, but still, I mean, uh, a borderline NBA all-star last season and Brandon Ingram still giving you great numbers. And again, Jonas Valanciunas, I think whenever we see him and Zion on the floor, whenever that, you know, whenever that actually happens, I think that that's going to be really impactful for this team moving down the line. But Kenneth, even with a Zion, how many wins do you think that he changes their record? Is it by maybe two, <laughs> maybe two wins? Are we looking at more of like, you know, three and seven right now or how, how good of a or how much of an impact do you think that Zion would make? I think that you could almost get them to four and six because we talked, I talked about it in my article where like they're in that game with the Kings there. It's cut down to two points in the third and then you just get blown out. And I don't think that happens if Zion's there because I just think that you get him the ball and he figures out a way to keep you in that game. They were beating the Suns and then got outscored 36 to 18 in the fourth quarter to lose by 12. I don't think that happens if Zion's there either. So there's just been so many glaring issues with this team that have been amplified with Zion being out. And, you know, it's just, it's a shame to see overall. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. So, all right, Kenneth, we touched all of our bases here on today's show. Uh, you know, we went streaking in a good way and in a bad way. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I think is that we need to remind people about, though, Kenneth, is that regardless how much input and insight we're putting into these and evaluations of all these teams, we just talked about it on a couple instances. It changes by the week this early in the season. And I know you're a big proponent of let's wait until everybody plays 20 games and then we can start really looking at some of the things that are going to be prominent throughout the season for a lot of these teams. I mean, there's still teams that are dealing with injuries there's teams that don't have their star player and again investigations on some of these organizations are, are coming out not only in phoenix but now in, in portland as well it's kind of troubling to see but kenneth um great job as always for you man before we close out here on the nothing minute channel on dash radio why don't you let the folks know where they can find you and your work just go check out offtheballnetwork.com we've got so much great stuff over there um, my show shooters to shoot basketball podcast is coming up right after this anyway so, so you'll be tuning into that so don't need to belabor that point anymore um, but overall yeah check out off the ball network for all your sports needs there's a ton of great betting stuff football basketball golf whatever it is that you need we got it there yeah fighting sports i think that pat just had a pretty decent uh you know article posted up not too long ago and didn't look too bad in the actual you know fighting arena 
as far as bets go either. So as for myself, you can follow me on Twitter at Stephen G Hoops, Instagram at Stephen W Gillespie. You can follow the show here, Breaking the Game, anywhere on social media at BTG NBA Pod. Speaking of that pod aspect, go and download us anywhere you subscribe and, uh, you know, give us a kind rating review and all that fun stuff. But don't go anywhere because, as Kenneth said, Off the Ball Mondays are in full effect here on the Nothing But That on Dash Radio. As for breaking the game, though, that's going to do it for us. Wish you and yours well. We'll catch up with y'all next time. Much love, everybody. Bye.